Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I don't care where you are, you may have little gifts, a lot of gifts, little resources, a lot of resources, but you ought to be coming with something to offer to the Lord. And in, in your service, in your worship, in your giving, and all that we are, everybody has something to offer back to the Lord. No one should be coming empty-handed saying, I don't have anything. Because one, it's not true. You're living and breathing. You got something to offer to the Lord that we would we would know, God, if I want my life, I want to offer back. I want to give back to you of all that I am. In today's message, Pastor Bill will remind you that while not everyone is blessed by God in the same ways, we all share the call to give back to God out of all that he has given us. The concept of tithing is one that most Christians are familiar with. You give 10% of your income to the church. However, this concept of giving of something you have to God is not limited to only money. We can give God the first of our efforts, time and prayers. This frame of mind gives honor and glory to God. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 27 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Well, we got a few different topics um, as the book comes to a close. Uh, it's kind of interesting the way the book of Leviticus closes up. Uh, we're going to go through this chapter and part of it is going to be dealing with redemption. Um, there's going to be a list of things that people have either consecrated to the Lord or they've devoted them to the Lord um, or dedicated, consecrated or dedicated. I'll, I'll explain the difference between the two as we go on. Um, they've either consecrated something or someone or dedicated something or someone to the Lord. And if they want to redeem the thing back, if they want to have it back, uh, there's a redemption value. We'll talk about redemption and how that works. Um, God laid these things out in the law. Interesting to me in this final chapter of of this part of God's law to the people, he, he again is speaking to them about their their giving to him. Um, and I really believe that what God is getting at is wanting them to have given everything that they are, that they would just be trusting God with every aspect of who they are. And so um, let's jump right into it. Leviticus chapter 27. I'm going to read verse, uh, verses one and two. It says, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when a man consecrates by a vow certain persons to the Lord, according to your valuation, if your valuation and I, I'm going to stop there, he's going to go through this list. And I want to explain the list because it can could, it could sound kind of. Um, it, it could sound a little, um, it, it could trouble some people. There's a, there's a valuation given between men and women of different age groups. And you'll find that men's valuation is greater than a woman's valuation. Um, men between the ages of 20 and 60, uh, women between the ages of 20 and 60 are of greater, great, given a greater valuation than, um, people from, people from a younger age, uh, or, or much older. And this is what it would have accounted to. In that time, um, in this era, women didn't usually work. So um, if I dedicated my male servant or my female servant, my male servant was someone who, um, depending on how old he was, the, what it looked like he would be worth over his lifespan was greater than if were a woman of the same age. Um, because he would work, he would be a value of a different sort, again, in this culture, usually women weren't working. Men were working in that way. So God's not chauvinistic. This is unfair, but it is. it does read that way. And so I want to tell you right up front, 
Um, first, in verse 2, though, it said, before we even look at the valuations, it says, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when a man consecrates by a vow, when he makes a vow and he sets something apart, and um, we see this is a very common in the Old Testament where vows would be made. People would make vows of uh, different sorts of vows and consecrate things. I, I vow this to the Lord. I, I commit this to God. As New Testament believers, um, I don't believe that we do this in the same way that they do. Um, they make vows. They make commitments. Who here has ever made a vow to the Lord? Um, raise, your, just raise your hand up. All right. Keep your hand up if you kept the vow. Okay, some hands up, some hands down, all right? Um, and many times, that's what we find. Maybe you, now I'm not saying everybody that's ever made a vow didn't keep it. I uh, Hopefully everybody made a marriage vow, kept your vow, you're still married. Um, some vows, you know, easier to keep than others. Um, but, but some people go around making strong commitments. Um, and I won't ask you to raise your hand on this, but I mean, just consider if you ever told God, God, I'll never do that again. God, I'll never do it again. I don't recommend you do that, by the way, but many people do that in, in a moment of um, maybe, maybe this is you, maybe in a, in a crunch, maybe you're in a desperate situation. God, if you get me out of this, I promise I'll never do that again. Um, some of you guys may have been there before where you make vows and promises and commitments to God. One of the things I'm seeing as I, I was concluding the chapter earlier and looking over it again was that the strength of the New Testament is not so much my commitment to God. It's not my it's not my devotion to God. It's not my dedication to God. It's God's devotion to me. It's God's dedication to me. It's him promising that he'll never leave me or he'll never forsake me. It's the, the promise that he forgives and he cleanses and he, he keeps me. All that's been entrusted to him, he keeps. The strength of the New Testament relationship with the Lord is God's commitment. But for those that make vows, a few verses, I'd like you to write them down in your notes. Um, first, write down Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And I'm going to read verses four through six. Ecclesiastes chapter five, verses four through six say this. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? And so here God says, look, it'd be better just not to make a vow. We don't ever have to make a vow. God isn't, there's nowhere in the word that says, God says, you got to make a, a verbal vow or to me. So it'd be better not to make one than to make one and not to keep it. Next thing, um, Matthew chapter five, uh, verse 37. And um, you just write that down. I'll read it to you. Matthew chapter five, verse 37 says this. It says, but let your yes be yes. And your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And so for us, God says, look, people that always have to swear are usually people that don't tell the truth. Uh, anybody that knows someone that's always got to follow up, hey, I, I swear, you know, I, you know, some people swear to God or they, man, I, I put that on my mama when I was coming up, you know, um, whenever you got to add that to what you've already said, um, something weak about your normal commitment. God says we want to be people of such character that our yes is yes. If you say yes, people know that, that that's enough for you. You just got to say the word yes, and your word is enough. Um, and last one, you can write down verse uh, James chapter 5, verse 12. It says, but above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with an, any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. So 
we're encouraged as New Testament believers that we would just let our, our words be what they are. Let my yes be yes and my no, no. But here they've made vows, they've consecrated things. And this is what at this part of the law, this part of the relationship with God, this is how they would relate back to God. God, I consecrate this. I, I set this apart. And it's, a, it's there's there's some positives to this as well. So um, first of all, I guess if we look at what it is to to consecrate something, um, it's a little different. It's, it's something that is um, consecrating something is something that is going to God's going to be able to use it afterwards. Um, later on, we're going to see a difference when instead of consecrated, um, consecrating things to the Lord, they there are things that they they devoted over to the Lord. And many times those are things that were going to like animals that are going to be sacrificed, not something you're going to be able to get back later. Um, but when, when they consecrated something to the Lord, it'd be something that God could use. Um, we, we would look at that almost like a, a dedication of a child or a dedication of something where, God, I give this to you that you might have use of it. And so here it says, speak to them that when they consecrate by vow certain persons to the Lord, according to your valuation, if your valuation is of a male from 20 years old up to 60 years old, then the valuation shall be 50 shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. And before I read through these verses, I'm going to just tell you how it breaks down. Um, for men and women between the ages of 20 and 60, the valuation for men was 50 shekels. The valuation for a woman was 30. Um, for men and women between the ages of 5 and 20, um, the valuation for a male was 20 shekels and the valuation for a woman was 10. For a male and female one month old to five years old, the valuation for the male was five shekels. The valuation for the woman was three. And lastly, that latter period of life, um, for those that were 60 and up, the valuation for a male was 15 shekels. The valuation for a woman was 10. And let me explain that before I read through it. If, if you're dedicating, you know, if you're, uh, let's say a child, can, can anybody, I guess I, I've given it away already. Um, in the Old Testament, Hannah dedicated her son to the Lord. Everybody remember she dedicated Samuel to the Lord all the days of his life. She said, God, I dedicate, if you give me a son, Lord, I will dedicate, I'll give him back to you. Um, that's where we, the whole idea when we do baby dedications at church, that's our premise. The story of Hannah, that she said, God, you give him to me, but I'm giving him back to you that you might use him for your glory. And so as soon as he was weaned, it says that she took him down to the temple and she left him there. She dedicated him, gave him. And so he was there in the temple all the days of his life. She never went back and said, okay, I want him back. I would bet as a mother that she wanted him back. It says she would go down um, regularly when they would go down and she would take him a new outfit and sew it up for him. But she didn't go back and say, give him back to me. Um, she had dedicated him and left him there with the Lord. And so God says there's a valuation because um, he's going to talk about a little later. Should someone decide that I, I dedicated that to the Lord, but now I need it back. Um, I don't even know if that's right to do. But God's going to tell them a little later, you can do that, but you're going to add 20 percent. So he says, you're going to add here. It says a fifth or something. It ends up being 20 percent to each thing. You're going to you're going to offer that back with 20 percent. And I think there's a lesson there. I don't believe that God wants me taken back what I've dedicated to him. Um, you know, there are people that, you know, promise God of you. Let me get this car. Lord, I'm going to dedicate it to you. I'll pick people up and take them to church. I will use it for your glory and for your purposes. Then they get it. And they take it back. The Lord don't have no use. 
of that vehicle. That vehicle's going places it was never intended to go. Um, he, God, just you bless me with this home. Where I just want to use it for your glory. I will, we'll do Bible studies in my home. God, we'll, we'll invite people over and you get a home. And it's not being used for the Lord. It's got some other purpose. Um, your own life. Um, we want to be cautious as we read through this. I believe that the lesson here is that God wants all of us. All of me and all of everything that I possess, he wants access and use of it that I would devote it to him. So I'll go ahead and read through the rest of the valuations. If it is a female, then your valuation shall be 30 shekels. And if from five years old up to 20 years old, then your valuation for males shall be 20 shekels and for the female 10. And if from a month old to five years old, then your valuation for a male shall be five shekels of silver. And for the female, your valuation shall be three shekels of silver. And if from 60 years old and above, if it is a male, then your valuation shall be 15 shekels and for a female, 10 shekels. And here, as God always does, if someone's too poor to pay, um, but if he is too poor to pay your valuation, then he shall present himself before the priest and the priest shall set a value for him according to the ability of him who vowed the priest shall value him. And so again, if, if someone weren't able to pay, um, they could bring him to the priest. The priest would you know, look at you know, whatever it is they're offering and, they, and, and see what they were able to pay and the priest would work it out with them. He would figure out a way where they could, they could give what was, uh, what, was, what was fair, what was right. And um, I, I just see that throughout scripture that, that no one's ever left out in God's economy. There's always room for someone to be able to worship, be able to give. God, even in the law, made provision for those that were dirt poor, will get a turtle dove. I mean, get, get the, the, the cheapest thing, get something, but don't come empty handed. And I think that that's a philosophy that we ought to carry as believers. I don't care where you are. You may have little gifts, a lot of gifts, little resources, a lot of resources, but you ought to be coming with something to offer to the Lord and in, in your service and your worship and your giving and, and all that we are. Everybody has something to offer back to the Lord. No one should be coming empty handed saying, God, I don't have anything because one is not true. You're living and breathing. You got something to offer to the Lord that we would we would know, God, I want my life. I want to offer back. I want to give back to you of all that I am. If it is an animal that men may um, if it is an animal that men may bring as an offering to the Lord, all that anyone gives to the Lord shall be holy. Um, so here God says, look, if you bring me an animal, if you bring something to me, whatever you bring to me is holy. And what that word there means, holy means it's set apart for me. I'm not sharing it. Um, it's set apart for me, period. It's mine. Most of us have things that are holy, set apart just for you. Uh, most of us don't share our toothbrushes, even married folk. I mean, I, I kiss my wife and everything else, but my toothbrush is my toothbrush and her toothbrush is her toothbrush. There's, there are just some things that don't, they don't, they don't trade. They don't get shared. You know, um, God says, when you bring something to me, it's mine. It's all mine. Holy to the Lord. This is set apart just for me. And I would challenge you to consider in your life, is there any part of your life? Are there any things in your life? Is there anything that you, that you offer to the God, to the Lord, where you can say, God, this is all yours. I give this to you and I don't take it back. I don't meddle with it. I don't mess with it. This is set apart just for you. Here God says, when you bring an animal, it's going to be holy to the Lord. Look at verse 10. He shall not substitute it or exchange it good for bad or bad for good. And if he had all exchanged his animal for animal, then both it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy. So this is what he's explaining here. Let's say I come down and I, I got a prime lamb. I mean, this is 
this is the best of my flock. And I come and I'm going to dedicate it to the Lord. And then I, I get down there and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I, I got this other little skimpy one and I trade it out. I end up saying, God, I'm gonna, I'll give you that one instead. God said, you know what happens? They both are going to be mine. I'm taking them both. Guys, you're not going to offer, you're not going to switch it out at, at the end. You're not going to decide, I'm giving this to the Lord and then switch it out for a, a, a less, you know, a less valuable. And what would happen there is the shepherds, and we'll talk about it later, everything that passes the rod, the shepherd's rod. As the sheep would go in and they were counting their sheep, they would count them off. And every tenth one was for the Lord. They weren't supposed to, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't realign them. They were just coming and herding through the sheep gate. And you would count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's the Lord's. And they would take that one to the Lord. They would do that. Every tenth one was to the Lord. Well, you didn't get to pick the best or the worst. It just came through. But if someone saw that one that they really liked a lot, oh, man, it had the pretty fluffy fur. That one's going to make some real nice sheepskin blankies or whatever. And they decided that they want to shift it around. God said, I'm going to get that one and the one you tried to give me instead, you know. And is God greedy? No. God's not being greedy. God's just saying, hey, give me the best. Why you want to do? Why, why would you shortchange the Lord? Why would you? Why would you offer Him something less? And I don't think I don't think most people think that we would do that. Um, and we would offer God something less than our best. But everybody here can answer for themselves. Do you offer the Lord your best in whatever area? Um, does He get your best? Um, he wants our best. He deserves our best. And what He tells them here is, hey. It's holy to the Lord. And if you try to switch it up and exchange it bad for good or good for bad, God said, I'm going to take them both. Verse 11. If it is an unclean animal, which they do not offer as a sacrifice to the Lord, then he shall present the animal before the priest and the priest shall set a value for it. Rather, it is good or bad as you, the priest, value it. So it shall be. But if he wants at all to redeem it, then he must add one fifth to your valuation. So. If they bring an unclean animal, which they don't offer for a sacrifice, the priest puts a value on the unclean animal and then it's able to be sold. And so it is able to be given and sold, even though they wouldn't offer it up because it's an unclean animal um, to the Lord. It said, but if they want to redeem it, if they want it back, if they decide I want that back, God said, you can have it back. Just whatever valuation the priest put on it. So if you brought a, an unclean animal and the priest said that thing's worth 100 bucks. And he said, I'd like to keep that one for for my breeding program, but I want to offer something to the Lord that's worth 100 bucks. They would say, well, give 100 bucks plus 20 percent. Give us 120 bucks and and that'll be just the same. Um, And so God was making provision. And this is I even see this. God is recognizing that maybe they're going to need some of these things. They can give it. Um, there, there's a way for them to, to still participate in the giving um, way. They, they may need something back or desire it back for whatever reason. Verse 14. And when a man dedicates his house to be holy to the Lord, then the priest shall, shall set a value. Uh, the priest shall, shall set a value for it. Rather, it is good or bad as the priest values it. So it shall stand. If he who dedicated it wants to redeem the house, then he must add one fifth of the money of the evaluation to it and it shall be his. And so the same thing with the animal, the same thing with a house or a property, um, the land will be valued. The priest will put a value in the land. And the way they would value land back there is by how much land, how many fields, how much they believed could be made off of that land over a, over a period of time before the year of Jubilee, they would place a, a price on that land and then it could be offered to the Lord or it could be redeemed um, for the price of the land plus 20%. Moving on, verse 16. If a man dedicates to the Lord a part of a field of his possession, 
Then your valuation shall be according to the seed for it. A omer of barley seed shall be valued at 50 shekels of silver. If he dedicated his field from the year of Jubilee, according to your valuation, it shall stand. But if he dedicates his field after the Jubilee, then the priest shall reckon to him the money due according to the years that remain till the year of Jubilee. And it shall be deducted from your valuation. And if he who, who dedicates the field ever wishes to redeem it, then he must add one fifth of the money of your valuation to it and it shall belong to him. But if he does not want to redeem the field or if he has sold the field to another man, it shall not be redeemed anymore. But the field, when it is released in Jubilee, shall be holy to the Lord as a devoted field. It shall be the possession of the priest. And so this a whole long description here of land that was set aside. God's given him all the moral laws, all the ceremonial laws. He dealt with giving and how they're to give. And at this very last part here, God's dealing with um, just some details of something that's a part of their culture. Part of their culture was that they were giving constantly to the Lord. And, and this is the thing that I guess I would want us to capture. God had them in a, a regular routine of they were giving everything. Everything they had came from God. They've been just been drilled into them. And so it was a flow right back through them. It's coming to them. It's going out. It's coming in. It's going out. You're receiving it. You're giving it land, animals, people, things. Everything that's coming through you is, is, is available. Some of it's going right back out to the Lord. And I do want to remind us and encourage us that as believers, we wouldn't be Americanized in our the way we view the world that we live in, that we wouldn't look at um, how much I could amass for me, how much I can have for me. Um, we're passing through this place. Bible says that we're, I mean, we're here for just a while. James says this life is but a vapor it's here today is gone tomorrow. And it really is going to matter what we do for the Lord in this little space. And if you spend your space on earth, um, if you spend everything that you are, every gift, talent, ability, everything that you have to amass more stuff for here and for now, and you don't participate in God's process of giving and sharing and helping and worshiping and all these different things you lose in the end. Um, you guys remember the parable in the Gospels of a man who was, you know, he had so much stuff that he had to, instead of giving some to the poor around him, is that he had amassed so much stuff. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build me some bigger barns so I can put some more stuff. And the Lord told him, you fool, this day your soul is going to be required. And then whose stuff is that going to be? Family going to be fighting over, you know? Um, so we got to be cautious as they were there. God said, look, I'm blessed. I'm going to bless you guys. I'm bringing you guys into lands where I intend to bless you. And I bless you to be a blessing. I want it to flow through you. Um, for some of these things, I want it to be something you worship me with. You glorify me. Some people, I've, I've known people with amazing gifts that God gave them. It might be singing. It might be some ministry, some gifting that they have, but they won't give it back to God. They won't offer it. And they'll be in church for years sitting on a pretty amazing, necessary, useful, beneficial gift, but they won't give it back in worship. And they just, they're just owning it, possessing it. May that not be true for any of us. Whatever gift we have, may we recognize that God, anything I got good came from you. Every, every good and perfect gift comes from above. And if God gave us a gift that we want to offer it back, God, you can have it. You can use it. You can use me for your, you can use me in whatever way you want. It may be resources. It may be things that special ability, special knowledge that God has given you that God would want to use you to help other people out with those things. 
or in some way to glorify him. I just this the pattern I see here is that God God's blessing them. And then God said, now let it let it let it flow. Let it let it let's get just get used to it flowing in and flowing out. And so he has them in this pattern of everything you guys get. Get back to me. And every time when you guys have a lot, don't, don't, don't cut the corners. Leave some for the poor. Take care of the poor. Poor be with you always. So we want to make sure that we're a part of God's process in that way. Everybody here. That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. But we're so glad you joined us for today's teaching on Pastor Bill. As we continue learning from the book of Leviticus together, our prayer is that you begin to understand where you come from. Knowing your roots is so important to understanding your faith and the heart of God. You may think all the rules within the Bible are outdated or just plain don't make sense, but they were there for a reason. They weren't there to punish, but rather to guide. And who doesn't need a little guidance from time to time? We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Leviticus and encourage you to read on on your own. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you'll find them on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. If you live in or near the Inglewood area, we'd love to meet you and invite you to join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryInglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person, and you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is CalvaryInglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and possibly hearing about Jesus for the first time? Please pray that their hearts will be open to the truth that changes lives. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us on A Transforming Word.